Welcome to Inspiration Rising. My name is David Trotter, and I'm a business growth consultant. I'm passionate about helping business owners just like you rise above your biggest barriers to reach your greatest goals, all without the paralyzing overwhelm, feeling all alone, or wondering what the heck to do next. You're in the right place. I'm super glad that you're here. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Inspiration Rising. It is wonderful to have you here with me today. I'm going to share with you a recording from last Sunday's Solarize experience. If you're not familiar, every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific time, I gather with a group of friends on Facebook Live to share just a sacred space in order to help you prepare your heart for the week ahead. We can't give what we don't have. We can't pour from an empty cup. And so I want to create a space to do that. This is the last talk in a three-week series called Embracing Again. And so we recognize that we have been disconnected in large uh, ways because of the pandemic. And so I wanted to take three weeks to talk about embracing ourselves, embracing others, and then this week, embracing the world again. I tell a story about my time in Jamaica, actually my trip coming home from Jamaica, and I think you're really going to enjoy this. So I will tell you, I had, you know, wrestled back and forth with whether to share these um, stories and these thoughts as a, a separate recording on the podcast, or should I just share with you the actual recording from Sunday morning at Solarize. And I was like, you know, I can't recreate what happens there. Yes, I might be talking to people that are there live, but I feel like that the energy and the spirit of that moment is so electric that when you're there live, something powerful is happening. And so although I love that you're listening to this on the podcast, I would tell you, man, RSVP, join me, soularise.me, soularise.me, arise, A-R-I-S-E.com, soularise.me, and uh, join us live on Sunday mornings because something electric is happening during these conversations. I told my wife, just um, when I'm talking in that format with other people, it's so different than a podcast. I love doing this, but I will tell you, You know, when you feel so in the zone, so locked in, like you are just doing whatever, like your life's purpose, I'm going to tell you that when I'm sharing that talk on Sunday morning at Solarize and I have friends there and, and they're listening and we're connecting and we're doing this thing together, that it is electric. It is something that I know I'm meant to do. So I share this with you as a glimpse into what we experience on Sunday mornings. You're always welcome to join us or listen as I share at midweek. So let's jump into this special recording from Solarize on embracing the world again. When I got ready to leave Jamaica, you know, they had me boarding this bus from the the, uh, what do you call that? Hotel, the resort. And it was like, four hours before my flight. And I thought, my goodness, I usually show up at the airport maybe a half hour before my flight. I like to be the last guy that boards the plane. I mean, I am, right? It drives my wife crazy. She wants to be there so early. I'm like, eh. I thought, okay, they probably know something that I don't know. Okay, so I get on board the bus. We're now at the airport basically three hours early. And the line is just to check in at American Airlines, just zigzag, zigzag, zigzag. And then like a mile down. It's so far. And I'm trying to figure out how can I get around this? I, I should not have to sit 
right? I, I should not have to wait this long to get on board a flight. Good morning, by the way, Kim. Great to see you and Susan and Kristen and others of you. Great to have you. So I'm standing in line and the American Airlines agent person comes along and I'm like, hey, you know, uh, is there any way, do I, do I have to really stand in this line? Like, talk about... <laughs> so self-centered. Everybody else has to stand in the line. Why do I have to stand in this line? You know, the guy behind me is like, oh, why do we have to stand in this line? And we're trying to talk to her about it. And she's like, yeah, there's really no way around it. And the gal behind me says, you know, my ankle is actually sprained. Is there any, like, uh, anything around that? And she's like, and I look down and this gal has a black brace on her left foot and it is the smallest black brace I've ever seen. It is so small. Okay. And she's like, oh my 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 ankle, you know. And I'm like, oh, this is an opportunity. Yes. And the lady says, well, would you like a wheelchair? And now inside my brain is going so fast, I'm thinking, oh, oh, how can I take advantage of this? And I said, uh, well, yes, actually we do need a wheelchair. And as her boyfriend, I would be happy to push this wheelchair. And the, the ticket agent lady looks at her and then looks at me and then looks at her again. Now you got to realize I'm six foot five, a large white middle-aged man. And this woman who had the black brace on her ankle could not, she's basically like the exact opposite of me, the exact opposite. Okay. She's probably half my height, half my height, and she's very dark black. And half my age. Yeah. I mean, there's, she could be my daughter. Like if I adopted her or something like that, I'm obviously not her boyfriend. And so the gate agent's like, you mean man friend, man friend. I'm like, what? She goes, I was like, oh no, no, no. Boyfriend. Like in the U S we still call it a boyfriend. So she gets the wheelchair and she takes her. I did not take advantage of the situation. I just let it go. You know, I'm just like, feels a little unethical to bend the rules that much. I don't know if that's really bending the rules. It feels like more breaking the rules. So she left. I stood in line. Anyway, our flight was late, taking off. We land in Charlotte. Okay, Charlotte, I'm going somewhere with this story. You're going to love this story. It's a crazy story. So uh, we land in Charlotte about a half hour late. I've got an hour to catch my connecting flight to Los Angeles, okay, to be home for the evening. And so we land about 8 o'clock. And the um, luggage has to go through customs. I didn't even know this. Like, it's not my final destination, but it has to go through customs there in Charlotte. And so you have to wait for it to go through border control and all these things. And then you have to check out of customs and then re-drop um, off your luggage to go back on a different plane. So we're sitting there waiting, waiting, waiting. A, a bunch of the bags come off. I don't see my bag. About a third of the people on the plane get their bags. And then two thirds of us are just sitting there. And the conveyor belts, and you're just like, there's not my bag. It's not my bag. It's not my bag. The conveyor belt stops and everybody just simultaneously goes, just, uh, just, you know, we're all depleted. And now we just sit there, just sit there, sit there, sit there. And nobody, the guy's like, I have no idea what's going on. So sorry. Border control's got the bags held up, you know? And so then it starts up again. Everybody's excited. And then it stops. No bags. We sat there for over an hour over an hour, put the math together. That means I missed my flight to LA. Totally missed my flight. It's now past, like, it's like 9, 10 or something like that. And so I go up to American Airlines up at the top 
And I'm like, okay, I got to figure out a flight. They said, there's no more flights till tomorrow at 4.30 back to LAX. I, what am I going to hang out here till 4.30? There's no way. This is the, the worst. Seriously, in my head, I'm like, I'm just staying here in Charlotte. I'm just staying here. I'm going to move to Charlotte. I have no family. I have no friends. I have nothing. I have a bag of luggage that's on the plane. Maybe I can get it back. I'm just going to stay here. I don't want to figure. It's too much work. So she finally says, tonight, two hours from now, I can fly you to Dallas. And then you'll get in around 1.30. And then you'll have another flight at 7 a.m. 7 a.m. to go to Orange County, which if you don't know in Southern California, it's like, did you hear that plane? I don't know if you heard that plane, but like I live literally five minutes from the airport. So I'm like, that's awesome. I'll be right with the airport. Wow. That means I got to sleep on the floor of the, 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 uh, the airport for like five hours or that's going to be horrible. But I'm like, that's okay. I got my ticket. I take off. I'm like, okay, I got two hours, basically hour and a half until my flight to Dallas. I am so hungry. And so I start looking through the airport for food. And there's a Bojangles. Okay, if you're not from the South in the United States, you don't know. But Bojangles has got some good chicken. It's like KFC and just like a little like Southern flair to it. Okay. The mile was, the, the, the line was two miles long. It was so long to get Bojangles chicken at 9.15, 9.30 at night. Because nothing else was open. All these places were closed. Auntie Anne's, I go there. It's like a pretzel place. I stand in line for there for five minutes. And the lady at the front goes, uh, just so you guys know, we're not selling any food. It's just uh, just drinks. Who goes to Auntie Anne to get drinks? Nobody wants a drink from Auntie Anne's. I was so angry at that woman. I don't even know her. And I'm just like, you're the worst human being right now. It's 930 at night. We're all trying to get the, the airport is packed and food places are closed. What the heck? So then um, the next place I went to was like this pizza pub. And, and there's all these people drinking beer. And I thought I saw some food. Right. And I'm like, I wait in line. Fifth minutes. I see the, the menu, the big menu out front. It's like pepperoni pizza. Oh, I'm going to get pepperoni pizza. This would be so good. I should not be eating pepperoni pizza. I've said I'm not going to, but I'm going to eat this. It's going to be so good. I get all the way up to the front 15 minutes later. I go, yeah, um, I'll take a pepperoni pizza and uh, maybe like a large water or something. And she says, oh, our kitchen's closed. Yeah, it's been closed for quite some time. Would you like a beer? No, I don't want a beer. I don't want I don't want something to drink. I want something to eat. I, I go, I literally looked at her in the face and I go, you know, before I stood in line for 15 minutes, you could have put a sign out front. Like, don't you think? Like a sign? She goes, yeah, we've been trying to tell the owner that, but he doesn't really want to do that. Right? Now, I'm just walking and I've got flip-flops on and I don't walk in flip-flops like that far through the airport. I probably walked 10 miles in flip-flops. I finally get to this place. It's like a like a uh, convenience, you know, store kind of place, food place. This story's going somewhere. It's going somewhere. And I'm like, okay, the line's long, but they've got pre-packaged food. Pre-packaged food, like little sandwiches, you know, all this stuff. They probably just flew them in from China the day before or something cheaper to get them there. And so I'm like, okay, I'm just going to stand here. Pre-packaged food line. I, I'm just going to get this. I'm standing there and there's this black guy in front of me with these dreads and these braids. And I'm just kind of like, it's late. I'm like 930. I'm tired. I'm just like looking at the dreads, like wow, I'm mesmerized by them. Kind of cool. And then all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, this guy comes like stumbling out of the corner of my eye. Okay. Literally, it was like this. It was like the guy was literally like 
I'm not kidding. This guy was probably 60, 65, and he's stumble, stumble, left shoe came flying off of his foot. It was a tennis shoe. And then he went all four limbs flying face first into the carpet and his luggage just like came tumbling after him. And I looked, I was like, oh my goodness. And I stepped out of line and reached down and was like, dude, are you okay? Like, and he's like, glasses are all, you know, whapper jawed. And so I picked him up off the ground. I was like, hey, you're, he's like, oh yeah, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. And I looked down and there was this little like wrapper, like right where he had stumbled <laughs> and me trying to make him feel better. I go, oh bro, like obviously you stumbled over this wrapper, like, Jeez, you got to watch out for those. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think he liked my humor. <laughs> I cracked myself up. That's funny. That was so funny. And so... <laughs> that is really funny. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, the guy's okay. Everything seems to be fine. He's probably mortified. And I step back into line. Okay, so I'm looking down. I'm like, okay, back into line. And I look up and I'm like... Where'd that black guy go? Where are those where are those dreads? Where are those little cool things I was looking at? He's now two people in front of me. He's two people in front of me. And I look up and there's this 20-something gal and her mom that cut in line. They cut in line while I was helping a man off the floor who had humiliated himself in front of a thousand people. I stepped out of line. I was the only person who stepped out of line to help this man. And they cut while I was out of line for like a minute. I mean, it's not like you can't see me. I'm a giant human being. It's not like they go, oh, I didn't realize you were in front of us. Well, that's so convenient, right? No, 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 no. You know they saw me. And so inside, I'm like, do I say something? It's now 9.45 at night. I'm trying to get some prepackaged food from China. And these two white women just stood in front of me. I was looking at these dreads and now, no, Dave, just, <sighs> I need a drink. I took a deep breath. I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything, okay? I just looked down, but inside me, I started thinking, is this what people have come to? People these days, what the heck? You try to help somebody and this is what you get. And I think the pandemic has made this worse. People are just thinking about themselves. How can I cut in line to get something faster? How can I get more toilet paper? How can I sell masks for hundreds of dollars? How can I, right? All, can you relate? Like people taking advantage of other people. It feels like people don't even care about other people these days. Have you ever thought that before? Has that come through your mind? Have you ever felt that way about people in the midst of a challenging situation? Man, it was so brutal. So tired. In her book called Rising Strong, Brene Brown does some research around this question. All right, and I'm going to I'm going to ask it to you a couple times, right? Here it is. Do you think in general that people are doing the best they can? 
Do you think in general that people are doing the best they can? Now, in her book, um, Rising Strong, she she talks about, obviously, the two different answers, yes and no. And the people that said yes kind of were a little um, slow in sharing. They were like, well, you know, um, I know it sounds a little naive, or you can't be sure, but I think so, or I know it might sound weird. And then they go on to talk about their belief in humanity, Right? And so, and and one of the things that she points out that they say is that they made sure to say, I, I do think that people are doing their best, but you know what? Um, we all have room to grow. We all have room to learn. We all have room to kind of make progress in life. And then she talked about the people who said no. She said they did not, like, they weren't slow to their answer at all. The people that said no, people are not doing their best, were like so fast. They're like, no, people, people are people are out to get each other. People are not doing their best. They slack. They they right. And what they did was they used themselves as an example. They said, Well, I don't give 110% all the time. So I assume other people don't. I kind of slack sometimes. Um, I know I'm not doing my best. I know I sometimes are, are, are kind of vindictive or, or ruthless. And so I assume other people are too. And so they judged the efforts of others through the lens of how they judge themselves. And that lens was the lens of perfectionism. Yeah. So with the lens of perfectionism, all of a sudden, it was so easy to judge themselves as not doing their best, not doing the best that they could, and then assuming that others are not doing the best that they can either. Yeah. So one of the things, and and I want to capture this here in my notes here below, she says that every participant who answered yes was in the group of people who she had identified as wholehearted People who were willing to be vulnerable and who believed in their own self-worth. People that said, yeah, people are doing the best they can. She said, those people are wholehearted and they were, uh, they were operating from a belief that they had self-worth not based on their performance, but just based on the fact that they were created human beings. And that those people The people that said, yeah, people are doing the best that they can, that they actually offered examples of situations where they made mistakes or didn't show up as their best selves, but rather than pointing out how they could or should have done better, they explained that while they were falling short, their intentions were good and that they were trying. There's a quote in the book, um, Rising Strong, from Brene's husband, Steve, and it's so powerful. Brene's talking about all this research and they go out to dinner with this woman and somehow breastfeeding comes up. And the woman um, just got really aggro about breastfeeding. Like, I breastfeed my kids till they're 12 and, you know, they're walking around still stuck to the boob and, you know, and I think it's great and, you know, whatever it is. And Brene's like, I could barely do it for two weeks. I was dying. And she felt so judged by this woman, right? And so she, she asked her husband, she was like, What'd you think about that conversation last night at dinner? Like that was intense, right? And and she uh, writes in the book his response. Let me read it to you. He says, all I know is that my life is better when I assume that people are doing their best. It keeps me out of judgment and lets me focus on what is and not what should or could be. And then Brene goes on to say, his answer felt like truth to me, not an easy truth, 
but truth. Let me read his answer again. He says, all I know is that my life is better when I assume that people are doing their best. It keeps me out of judgment and lets me focus on what is and not what should or could be. You've heard this saying before. It's actually attributed to John Watson. It says, everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. Be kind always. So we've been talking the last couple of weeks about embracing again. What does it look like to embrace now that the pandemic is starting in many places, especially here in the United States, to wane? We've been disconnected from people for so long in a lot of different ways. What does it look like to embrace again? And instead of seeing people as scary and you might have COVID and all this stuff, right? And stay in a way that we actually have protected our hearts in that process as well. What does it look like for us to embrace ourselves? We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Last week, we talked about embracing others. And today, I just want to bring this concept of what does it look like to embrace the world, again, everyone in the world. So like, take you back to that scenario and let's talk about the guy who tripped and fell at the Charlotte airport. Was he doing the best that he could? Was he doing the best that he could? I don't know where he came from. I don't know where he's going. I don't know what baggage he was carrying in that piece of luggage that went flying all over the place when his arms sprawled all over the floor. I don't know what baggage he was carrying. I don't know when his, when his glasses went sideways, how he was viewing the world. I don't know. I think he was doing the best that he could. If I didn't believe that, I would have stayed in line and said, kind of moron, like trips over carpet in front of a thousand people. What kind of idiot does that? No, 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 no. I think he's doing the best that he could. I don't know what's going through his life. How about the guy in front of me that had the dreads with the braids and everything, right? He didn't get out of line. He did not get out of line, you guys. He just stood there. Is he doing the best that he can? I don't know. I think so. I don't, I don't know where he came from. I don't know where he was going. I don't know how hungry he was. I don't know why he didn't step out of line. I think he's probably doing the best that he can. And what about the two women that cut in front of me when I was the only one who stood out, stepped out of line. Are they doing the best they can? My guess is they are. I don't know where they came from. I don't know where they're going. I don't know what baggage they've got in the big carry-ons that they're carrying. I don't know if they didn't see me. It really doesn't matter. They're doing the best that they can. And so when I stay in that place of believing that, that people are doing the best that they can, I stay out of the realm of judgment and criticism, which is so easy for me to get into, so easy for me to, to go down that direction. Why? Because I see myself through that lens, that when I am judgmental about myself, when I am critical about myself, that becomes the lens through which I see the world. And now all of a sudden, people are not doing the best that they can. But, but if I'm willing to believe that I'm doing the best that I can, 
with the resources I have based on my life story, based on the experiences that I have had in life, based on my socioeconomic upbringing, based on my education, based on my physical ableness, based on the, the, my gender, my ethnicity, right? All of these things, I'm doing the best that I can. And I got a long way to go in terms of learning and growing, and I'm continuing to learn and grow. But when I give myself that compassion, when I give myself that grace, now all of a sudden I can give others that same grace as well. And I'm focused on what is, not what could have been or what should have been. And if I focus on just what is, it's okay. I'm two people back, farther in line. I'm in the middle of a beautiful airport. I got a plane flight home. I'm going to get some food. I'm okay. I'm safe. I'm loved. I'm doing the best that I can. And so are they. So this really changed for me, I will tell you. And I still need breakthrough moments like I just shared with you. But it really changed for me 13 years ago when I hit my own rock bottom moment. When I had my own breakdown and life just went sideways and I ended up checking myself into a mental hospital for three days to get my head back straight. And when I got out of that, I still wanted to kill myself for two weeks. And all of a sudden I started looking at people a little differently, especially those people that talk to themselves on the street, right? I'm like, oh, I have compassion for them. They're doing the best that they can. Because that could have been me. It could be you. It could be any of us. They didn't expect to do that. They didn't expect to be there. What's interesting is that we, um, when we have these breakdowns in life, all of a sudden we have the opportunity to see life and see other people and embrace not just a few people, but the world again, because we go, wow, if I need this kind of help, my guess is that everybody in the world needs this kind of help. And the truth is that we have just gone through a one year and a half now global breakdown. Our entire globe has gone through a breakdown, a meltdown, a just a rock bottom experience in the last year. Have we not? And so I am hoping that you would join me in increasing compassion for yourself and increasing compassion for the people that you live with and increasing compassion in your city. And ultimately I would invite you to increase compassion for the entire globe because we have collectively gone through this breakdown experience and now things right have shifted. Things are different. And rather than looking through the lens of they didn't step out of line to help somebody. They cut in front of me in line. What can it look what what does it look like for us to say I bet they're doing the best they can just like I am. So now several weeks ago um I introduced you to this concept called Solarize 7. Here I'll I'll pop the This worksheet is available at insporising.com/solarize7 and um you can download it. And basically the whole point is it's a one week challenge to do one thing for seven days, one thing for seven days. And this week I would ask you, would you be willing to do something to be compassionate toward yourself? One thing for seven days. 
Yeah. And then I just ask you a few questions to um, process it. So that one thing could be taking care of your physical body, just having compassion for yourself, whether it's a uh, uh, giving yourself lotion right on, on your body, or it could be going for a walk. It could be exercising. It could be doing 10 things, writing down 10 things you're grateful for in the morning. It could be taking five minutes to meditate. Just one thing that would help you have compassion for yourself. Maybe it's even thinking about um, uh, like your, your, the way that you think about yourself and that you catch yourself saying something negative and then you replace that with something positive and you do that every day for seven days. I just encourage you to do that. You just go to insporising.com slash solarize seven, the number seven, and you can download that worksheet. You, you can post about it online. Do hashtag solarize seven. I'd, I'd love to cheer you on in the process. For me, actually this week, I'm joining with um, some friends to do uh, a three-week experience where we're going to be reading through a book called The Magic, and it's all about gratitude. And actually, for me, to read that book every day is a way to have compassion for myself because I'm focused on myself. I'm not spending every waking moment trying to create something or you know build something in terms of business or whatever. That I'm going to read that book. I'm going to focus on gratitude. Right? That's what I'm going to be doing. All right? So I hope that this... Um, I hope this has been helpful for you. I'm going to go back to that question, and then I'm going to read Steve's answer. Do you think in general that people are doing the best they can? That's what Brene was researching in her part of her book, Rising Strong. And her husband, Steve, says, All I know is that my life is better when I assume that people are doing their best. It keeps me out of judgment and lets me focus on what is and not what should or could be. She writes, His answer felt like truth to me. Not an easy truth but truth. So I want to give you a blessing before we wrap up today. And so if you want to put your hands over your heart, remember, we're not a movement of just information. We're a movement of the heart and you have the power to move hearts in all that you do, no matter if you're a online coach, entrepreneur, leader, mom, dad, whatever you do, right? You are part of a movement of the heart. So if you want to put your hands over your heart and just close your eyes and receive this blessing today, may you have the courage this week to be compassionate toward yourself. May you be slow to speak words of criticism and judgment toward yourself. May you be quick to listen to your heart. And as you cultivate compassion on a daily basis, may you extend that compassion to the people you live with, to the people in your city, and may you extend that compassion to the entire world, knowing that we have, we have walked through, and many are still walking through, a breakdown experience in our globe. May you be this beautiful conduit of compassion to the people around you. And may you feel the peace and the love and the joy in your life as a result. Go in God's grace. Hope you guys have a great day. Hey, congrats on listening to another episode of Inspiration Rising. Why congrats? 
because you're pouring education and inspiration into your mind and heart. And that's something we all need if we're going to grow our businesses and reach our goals in life. Now, if you enjoy Inspiration Rising, do us a favor, share it with a friend, take a screenshot of your favorite episode and text it to them. Tell them to search for Inspiration Rising on their favorite podcast app and click subscribe. I want you to know today that you're inspired, empowered, and loved. Not because of the way you feel or what anyone else says about you, but because that's your true identity.